It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would, Would you, you be, be mine? mine? Sweetie, come on. Could you, Could you be, be mine? It's a neighborly day, day in the beauty wood. Sweetie, how come I'm the only one singing? Because I'm listening. Not singing. Could you be mine? All right. I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like, like you. That's Fred. That's Fred. Um, welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio, podcast number 521. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. Who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we're going to talk about kindness, Fred Rogers. We're going to talk about the movie. Beautiful Days in the Neighborhood. Or Day. Beautiful Day in One the Neighborhood. One of them, yep. Um, Kathy and I went to go see this movie. But first, real quick... Um, conference february 20 2029 tickets on sale now um hunting ground screening december 4th we'd love to see you there for those of you guys who are local and um real a quick take you okay with a quick sure, take, sweetie sure um i read a wall street journal article and it was titled most more female athletes are talking about a taboo their periods mm-hmm a combination of mostly male coaching ranks, a lack of sports science research on women, and public science about the topic have combined to keep athlete menstruation in the background. But those dynamics are changing. Are you aware of this? I don't. I did not read that article, no. But I know that it, it's not, how do I say this? It's not in the background for women who work with women because we talk about all the time how this impacts our daily experience and how <clears throat> there isn't a, not daily, but one week a month or whatever mm. it may be, but that there isn't an understanding or recognition of what's needed or what's happening. Meaning, like I remember, I think it was Abby talking about... Um, Abby you know, who? Abby Wambeck. Okay. Uh, she was our... Um, Zen parenting keynote last year, and she was talking about, you know, being on the soccer field for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And when you have to go to the bathroom or you have your period, that that can be a challenge. Yeah, and it's a 90 minute game. And that you have to come up with, you know, ways to manage that. And, and that's fine. Nobody needs, it's not that people are looking for sympathy for that, but can this be discussed mm -hmm. rather than this be something that is taboo or, um, uh, on, on, Discussable from the from the article years ago, menstruation was used as a reason why women and girls shouldn't play sports. Correct. Way back when, recently, female athletes have reclaimed their periods as a sign of strength, an indicator that their bones are strong and their bodies ready for heavy training. New York City Marathon winner Shalane Flanagan says she tells young athletes, "If your body is shutting down a normal monthly thing, then that means there's something that's being shortchanged your diet or your lifestyle or something." I just thought. You know. Well, it, I, I think this kind of came into, um, and I don't know when this article came out, but this has been kind of um, discussed in the last month because there was an athlete, I actually posted it on our page, so I'm pulling it up right now. There was an athlete who I guess was like a premier athlete and she was asked to come train with Nike. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Do I you saw remember that. this? Yeah. And by the way, JC told me that I can't say Nike, that it's Nike. Yeah, it's always been Nike, right? But don't, isn't it Nike? And then no. we've said Nike? No, I think it's always been Nike. Okay, then why do I say Nike? Uh, you're wrong. Does anybody say that in like no. shortening it? No. Okay. Well, she was asked to come train <laughs> with Nike. Uh, her name was Mary. 
And basically what ended up happening is she had all male coaches and they felt as if they used this like very um, non-scientific equation, which was if you get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier, you'll run faster and faster and faster. And what really ended up happening is she lost her period for a few years. Mm -hmm. She did not get faster. She actually ended up having depression. She ended up uh, uh, self-cutting. She ended up cutting. Um, She ended up having all sorts of issues because her body was not getting what it needed. And And she she ran slower. uh, Of course. And she was treated more poorly. So it was like a downward... Uh, so the article was in the New York Times. It was called I Was the Fastest Girl in America Until I Joined Nike. Mm-hmm. So it's been kind of, you know, it, it, there was many things happening there, not just her period, but that was one of them that there's no on the part of, and I'm not going to say all male coaches, but uh, many male coaches, they don't even understand yep. how or why a period works the way it does. Right. So there's no concern about that women do need to, like, just for an example, something that I tell the girls when I'm teaching sex ed um, to, to girls who are in fifth grade, is a lot of girls in fifth and sixth grade get really uncomfortable because their stomach begins to um, sometimes get a little more like, uh, maybe it was like super, super flat when they were in third and fourth grade. And then in like fifth, sixth and seventh grade, their their stomach starts to get a little more round or um, not as flat. And they think, what do they think? They think they're fat, mm-hmm. of course. That's not what's happening. Their body needs to have that experience for them to have their period. They actually need to have that kind of that distension for them to, ha- that's going to happen when they get their period. So they don't even know that. So they think they're gaining weight and their body needs to do that. You need to put on some of that mm-hmm. to be able to have your first period. Are you ready for 60 seconds from a Saturday Night Live commercial called The Annual? Sure. What if you could have your period just once a year? My period? Once a year? Once a year? I'd like that. New Annual extends the time between your period by 11 months. How does it work? Each Annual pack has 44 weeks of active pills instead of the usual three, keeping you on a constant stream of hormones so your time of the month can be just once a year. That's all I have time for. And when it is time for your period, hold on to your f***ing hat. Cut to Tina Fey with an axe in a office. Yeah, she... She kind of did a take on that in 30 Rock, too. And I I look at that and I laugh at that with you, but it also perpetuates what we're Correct. talking about. Well, it's, it, there's two points. One is one that we believe in. Another one, which is funny, yet at the same time perpetuates the thing. Exactly what we're trying to not have happen. So it's like, I get it. Like it like, and, and I think it's just... Um, it, like I said, like, I don't look at that and get offended, Mm -hmm. but to make our point where it's really not like that. Well, the point that I, you know, aside from the, the funny yet kind of off putting Mm -hmm. message, the good message is this is a natural rhythm of our bodies. And if we're able to, and I'm talking about females, I'm not our, Mm -hmm. your bodies, Mm -hmm. then it's probably something that ought to happen. Well, yes. And it's, probably something that should be accepted rather than us getting extra taxed for tampons and pads. Yes. You know, we pay more because it's a, what do they call it? An exception tax or something. It's a, it's something, a non-necessary. Right. 
tax. Like right. we don't really need those things. And our things. condoms have the same tax on them. Like I feel like I I, I, I wish I would have done some research before the show. We didn't know we were going to go here, but I feel like there is such double standards going on. No with- condoms and and condoms. You I mean I know you need them, yeah. but you don't need them. Right. Like your body doesn't isn't like that's a choice yeah. in life, right? And again, well, it's I, like I'm Viagra is covered by insurance. Correct. But. I'm fully supportive of all those things. This is not like a, if you don't get it, we don't get it. It's just there isn't no an understanding right. of that. Like um, my phone is shutting down, so I'm having a hard time pulling it up. But I think it's called a pink tax. Okay. And I don't know if it's been called a pink tax be- because we've labeled it that to make a point mm-hmm. um, or if that um, it says pink tax examples. Some pink ta- taxes include tampons um, while other medically necessary products such as prescription drugs, neck braces are exempt from sales tax. Uh, 36 states still tax women's menstrual products, and it's called the tampon tax. Mm-hmm. So we pay more for something we absolutely, not only do we need it, yeah. but we need it every single month. Right. So doesn't really make sense, no. does it? So right there tells us a lot about how we feel <clears throat> as a society. And a lot of it, it, it is the misunderstanding, thus the, you know, these funny things that we say or that, you know, people don't say this as much anymore, but that a woman wouldn't be able to lead because Mm. of her cycle. And it's, I, I think that it's funny because they're too emotional. (laughs) Right. Hillary can't be president because she'd be too emotional. Cause what if it's that time of the month? Right. Anybody. I mean, it's insane. So I think that what we forget is that women, you know, 51% of the population, I think that's still the statistic are women. And I think it's 51% because women live a little bit longer, right? I think so. That's why so. it's 51. I think so. I, I honestly don't know, but I assume. And that we're all walking around having our periods. It, and it's funny because, um, again, when I'm talking to younger girls about sex ed and we talk about our periods and I say that, mm-hmm. I say, you know, your teachers, you know, women that you pass on the street, Ew. they're all, they all get their period and they're like, what? Yeah. As if it's like, they can't put two and two they together. They can't connect the dots. Mm-hmm. So it, it that is something, as you can tell, I have no problem discussing it. I, it's, well, and I, that's the reason I want to bring it up is just normalize it. My normalize goodness. it. This is very normal. And you start, again, Sun Parenting Radio, you start by normalizing it in your house so your children can take that out in the world and discuss it openly and not have any, and I'm talking about not just your girls, I'm talking about talk to your sons about it, not talk to them like, hey, go easy on your your sister. I mean, talk about it like this is as normal as any other body experience. Sad because I remember us like almost making fun of my mom when I was like seven because she was getting her period. And my mom was so ill-equipped to have these conversations. And I- What do you mean you made fun of her? Well, like, oh, mom is on her period, gross, like that. Wow, and, wow, that's unfortunate. And my mom was like, no, it's not gross. Oh, good. Like, but she she, she didn't, I, I feel like, she, the reason we thought it was gross is because it wasn't normalized. You know, right. if it would have been normalized in this household since I was like three years old, it would have been, oh, like, mom's on her period. Well, and it's such an interesting, like, gross you're on your period but please give me children and please uh um i came from there but still you're gross right like it's such a messed up it's so messed up and it is a again it's uh i use this word a lot when we talk about it 
ignorance of not understanding what the body's doing, how amazing it is, and setting the tone early on for this, you know, language, again, clips like that that you played are not helpful. Calling it a curse is not helpful. And in no way, women who are listening, am I saying that it's all great. It can be challenging. Mm -hmm. You can have cramps. You can get headaches. You can get tired. You can feel a lot of feelings. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to deny the reality of it, but all that should be normalized too. Yeah. Like there's nothing to hide or pretend. Oh. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Um, so I'm going to play a one-minute trailer of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Okay. Uh, but first, I'm going to talk about our partner of the week. Okay. Many associate ear pain with summer activities, but did you know that winter clouds and flu contribute to sinus infections? Sinus infections are one of the top 10 causes for ear pain. Did you also know that earaches are one of the primary causes for doctor visits with over 30 million visits per year? Highlands can help. After you've been diagnosed with an earache by a physician, try Highlands homeopathic earache drops or tablets. Highlands has been trusted for generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for all members of the family. Highlands homeopathic earache drops and tablets provide natural relief to help you get back to doing what you love. Visit highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. Highlands.com slash ear hyphen pain. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D-S. To find a retailer near you, go to highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. Read and follow label directions. We're doing an issue on inspirational people. Who? Mr. Rogers. Hello, neighbor. The beloved children's television host. So good to see you again today. You hired me as an investigative journalist. I don't do puff pieces. 400 words. Play nice. Mr. Rogers. I'm here to interview you. It is so nice to meet you. This piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? No, not at all. Oh, I like that. I insisted he read you before we agreed. And did he? Every article we could find. You okay? I'm profiling Mr. Rogers. On our program, I tried to look through the camera into the eyes of a single child. He's just about the nicest person I've ever met. I just don't know if he's for real. Lloyd, please, don't ruin my childhood. All these people line up to tell you their problems. That would be an incredible burden on you. Sometimes we have to ask for help. And that's okay. You love broken people like me. I don't think you were broken. He doesn't think he's broken, sweetie. He, because he's not. Nobody is. No. Although the newspaper. So so it's about a, uh, Mr. Rogers has a relationship with a newspaper reporter who's doing an article on him. It's a so true the, story, right? It is. So the article is from Esquire magazine. It was printed in 1998. Originally, they reprinted it in 2017. Um, the In the movie, the guy's name is Lloyd. Mm -hmm. um, but in real life, the um, journalist's name was Tom. And basically, in the article, he... Um, I don't know if you got a chance to read it, Todd, but no. he basically writes the article all about Old Rabbit and oh. about what kind of boy he was. But he writes it from the perspective of once upon a time there was a little boy, mm. you know. So basically he, he was supposed to write a 400 – uh, it was like, you know, when you guys get Time magazine and it it's says, a puff piece. yeah, it's like, oh, here's the hundred most popular people and here's a little paragraph about them. And it's really well written. That was what really he was asked to do. But what he ended up doing was writing a 10,000 
word essay about Mr. Rogers and his experience with him and how, you know, the whole movie is framed instead of being a biopic or a, uh, is that how you say it? A biopic? Well, just like a summary of his life. Right. It's not. It really is. They kind of, they put it under the umbrella of like, it's almost a Mr. Rogers episode, mm-hmm. but it's dedicated to Lloyd and, or Tom, this guy. And, um, but everything that happens within it is based on truth. Like the things he said are things he would say sure. or things that were in the article. Mm. So it was as close to getting to the man without trying to just document it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I found it, it, it's interesting. We were talking about how this is award season right now for um, movies because this is, we're going into January <clears throat> and February when we have all of the, you know, Academy Awards and Golden Globes and SAG and all that kind of thing. So this is usually when they drop all the big movies. And I was, I was saying this morning to the girls that, I loved this movie and I will see it again. Like this is a movie that I loved that I could see over and over and over again. And, um, and I did cry some, but it doesn't, it's not a kind of thing you can't manage. Mm -hmm. It's not, I didn't feel like gutted by it. Um, so for those of you who are like, Oh, I don't want to cry. You'll be fine. It's actually much more uplifting than anything. And I think it would get more attention if it was July. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's just, it's being dropped at such a busy time. Well, and you talk about um, award season. I have a clip that maybe I'll play later on, or I could play it now, um, of him accepting an Emmy Award um, oh, yeah, in yeah. 1997. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of powerful about what he does, <laughs> about his acceptance speech. And he, they have that in the movie because that's like a thing that he does. Do you mean where he said, let's take 10 seconds? Yes. He did that in the movie too. Yes, he did. <clears throat> in the movie, he says, let's take a minute. Mm-hmm. And what he... What he did was he would say, well, why don't you just play it? Uh, In the Emmy, Tim Robbins is the presenter. Got it. Of course, Tim Robbins, right? (laughs) So many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here. Some are far away. Some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? Those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. You know, they're the kind of people television does well to offer our world. Special thanks to my... Who does that? Well, here, uh, he in the movie, he does it for 60 seconds. Mm. And th- so as an audience member, you are forced to do it. Um, and, and it's the wrong word. As an audience member, you feel inclined to do it alongside all of these people. And um, and it's really powerful. 
uh, because it's funny, like all the people that come up are sometimes the people we give the hardest time, like my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, like the like people that were like, oh, this should have happened or this should have happened. But really, these are the people who cared about you and and helped you become. When when you're in a mindset of gratitude, this very same people that you conjure up are the same people that trigger you. Exactly. And so that's super powerful. And then you can bring up like I found as I was doing it during the movie um, it was mostly, and, and I don't mean it wasn't you, Todd. It's not like you aren't, you know, mm. cause right now in present time, obviously you are, but it was all childhood sure, people. Me too. I was, it was like not about now. Right. It was about all these people from childhood and it's so many people. Mm. Like there's like so many people who I was like, oh, well, if that wouldn't happened, oh, that teacher did that. Oh, that person prompted me to do. So it's a really wonderful exercise. And I think I don't want to jump too far ahead and like, make a conclusion about this movie but i think what i'm i definitely want to say about it is i live in how do, how do i say this, say this i i believe in mr rogers and what he does and what he did and that that is really who we are mm-hmm. okay so he to me for he is what i think is a real honest person and he he followed a Christ consciousness. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he prayed and he followed a more uh, a more he was a follower of Jesus and yeah. Christianity, and he followed a Christ consciousness. And we don't have to use that language. Meaning, you can follow a more like Buddhist track, or you can follow no kind of religion, or just have a spirituality or a sense of kindness. It doesn't matter what you follow. But I think he was the epitome of what we really are. Yeah. And I think the reason why, and they do a good job of this, of, of the character who, you know, Lloyd, who is initially interviewing him and he gets really frustrated with him, is we're so used to butting up against negativity <clears throat> that we're really used to being able to fight and argue and plead our point and feel validated and find like just scraps of survival. <laughs> and... When you're with someone who's just inherently kind, Mm -hmm. you don't know what to do with yourself because you want something to push up against and you want something to butt up against. And it's almost a discomfort where you have to feel all of that goodness in you while you're with this person or where you're lacking and it's way too uncomfortable. We're more comfortable listening to podcasts about serial killers Mm -hmm. than we are listening or watching Mr. Rogers. Mm -hmm. Like we like to butt up against that. And I don't mean because we're bad. Again, I think we are more like Mr. Rogers, but it's so when you, when you are in his presence, if it be when you were watching him on TV or when you people who literally met him, it brings out every feeling that you've ever had. Right. And we very much like to repress those feelings. We like to just kind of autopilot through life and not feel. Well, that reminds me, I'm trying to pull it up right now, and I think this makes sense, the Marianne Williamson quote on fear about how it's easier for us. Oh, yeah, we're most afraid of our light. Yes, And that is exactly it, is we are um, much more afraid of... um, the light in us, because that's powerful. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that's not a lot of people 
say that's Nelson Mandela, and it's not. It was Marianne Williamson mm. who said that. Mm. Um, so, because if you like look that up, you'll see that a lot of people Mandela, attribute it okay. to Mandela. Um, but that's that is it, and he is the light. He is the best of us. Yeah. Um, and he is not, as his wife says, and I've seen so many interviews. For those of you who saw the documentary about. Mr. Rogers, you saw this too, but he was not a perfect man. He was not a saint. He struggled with his teenagers. He had difficult times. He had pain. Um, but what he did, which is what the the essence of this show is, is he practiced. Mm -hmm. And his wife said that. He said that. He had rituals every morning that he did. He prayed for people. He talked about his emotions. He swam every day. He read scripture. He said people's names out loud. Mm. He had rituals and practice that allowed him, and he was slow. He contemplated. Well, I listened to an interview, um, Gail, Oprah's yeah, best friend, Gail King. Mm -hmm. was interviewing uh, Tom Hanks, and here's a clip of it. Knowing you. Every person I talked to who said, oh, when you spoke to Freddie, you felt, you felt like you were the only person in the world that mattered to him. That's a gift, Tom. It's a gift, but it's also a practice. Yeah. We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. Kind of like you said, it's a practice. And you that's the thing is people are like, oh, he's a saint. He's a different person. He's not me. No, he is you. Mm -hmm. He is the best of us, meaning he is what we can all practice to be. Yeah. And, and he would be, if he was here, he'd be angry that I said that. Mm -hmm. He'd say, you already are. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a clip that in the movie where the guy Lloyd is like, you know, you love people like me, you love broken people. And he's like, you're not broken. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, and he wasn't like trying to lift him up. He was being very honest. Yeah. So that's why I, I really think that, um, what this movie is telling us is this is the truth about us and all these experiences that we're having and everything that's happening in the world, Oh, it's just us not paying attention to who we are. Well, and it's uh, these things are. I love the theater uplifted, right? Of course, it's hard not to leave the theater uplifted. Yeah. Um, and as far as resources go, go, go. You know, go support a movie like this. Yeah. I mean, we like Avengers movies sure. and all that. Um, another real quick plug. Uh, our friends Kevin and Carolyn told us about a Netflix documentary that's been around for a while, so it's not new, but it's called The Kindness Diaries, mm -hmm. and it's about a guy who basically um, travels around the world uh, relying on the kindness of strangers for food and drink and shelter and all that, and he documents it quite beautifully. I've actually seen the first two episodes of season two, so I just want to throw that out there, but I want to play one other clip from this Tom Hanks interview. I don't remember why it was profound, but it was good. It's 40, okay. 40 seconds. Myself as a hero? No, not Did playing this role change you? They all do one way or another. Fred Rogers, uh, <laughs> we, every day on the call sheet, there was an attached quote of Fred's. And sometimes they were long, and oh. sometimes they were very, very simple. Wow. One was, there are three, <clears throat> the three secrets of happiness are, be kind, be kind, and be kind. And you think, well, that's namby-pamby. That's goody-two-shoes. No matter what your bent is, being kind means you give everybody a fair shake. Being kind is, is just being open to a possibility of making a simple choice that makes the day a little bit better. There you go. 
And here's the thing. What he decided to do was take all this learning. Because, again, if you saw the documentary about Mr. Rogers, not this movie, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, but the documentary that came out two years ago, you'll know that his childhood was really rough and he was very sick um, and he was like had to stay indoors for a long time. He learned he came by what he knew to be truth, this kindness in a very traumatic way, yeah. a lot of pain, which we all can relate, right? That's a lot of times how we come to our deepest selves is through the experience of pain. And what he realized is that not only do we need to share it, this kindness and this truth is we need to take responsibility for being human beings in this world. And he chose TV. I find it, it's funny because in the movie, Last night, they show a clip when Oprah was interviewing him, Mm -hmm. like in the 80s or 90s. And I think about them similarly because I think, and Oprah has never said she was influenced by Mr. Rogers. Mm -hmm. I'm not making that leap, but they said, okay, I have this platform of TV. What am I going to do with it? What's the responsible thing to do with TV? Well, and I remember Oprah talking about, because she used to have like skinheads on. Totally. And then she's like, what am I doing? Right. I'm giving them a platform. She's giving them a platform. So that was the beginning of her change into a different kind of TV. And for those of you who didn't like Oprah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You don't, but her decision making came down to what is my intention and why am I doing this? And what Mr. Rogers was doing, even way before her, was what is the intention and how can I reach people? And he was almost dumbfounded by some of the things on TV for children because it was inherently painful for them and traumatic for them and it hurt them. And he didn't understand why we would do that. Mm -hmm. And um, and when and we can all get down, okay, if we get into that mindset, we can all say, what are we doing? Mm What are we doing? And what is the, and we don't need to throw up our hands and say the world sucks. We just need to do our part. What am I taking responsibility for? What am I putting out there in the world? Not just on TV or on a podcast or, or, you know, whatever. What am I saying at Target to people? What am I doing when I'm driving on the road? How am I responding when my kids walk in the door? This is the practice that then leads to other people experiencing us, which then creates a ripple effect. So I find his message, and you know, it's interesting because a lot of the movie is about the the writer trying mm-hmm. to figure out. Yeah, it's, he, get, he owns half the screen time, if not more. It, I think more. I think that he is, you know, Lloyd is really who the story is about. And he, for the first, you know, 30, 45 minutes is like, I'm trying to figure out if this guy's for real. Yeah. We don't even trust love and kindness. No. We, we don't even trust it. And for good reason, meaning some people who have claimed, you know, love and kindness have hurt us. Some religious institutions have hurt us. Mm-hmm. Um, coaches, parents have hurt us. It, there's a reason. But at the same time, it's all we want, yet we don't trust it. Yeah. And even in ourselves, we'll be like, okay, there has to be another intention that I'm being kind. I'm being self-serving. Or it's okay to just be kind. Yeah. For me... <clears throat> And I guess I knew this a long time ago because I used to watch Mr. Rogers. Uh-huh. And I was probably somewhere just underneath profoundly impacted by him. Like I, I thought he was really good. Like, but I feel like your your essence of your remembrance of the TV show is pretty awesome, right? Correct. As far as your relationship with mm-hmm. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But one thing I learned through watching Tom Hanks last night on the big screen was his at least in these moments, his absolute presence. 
Like there was literally nobody else in the world other than the person that he was talking to. Mm -hmm. And that is such a, it's a gift, but he worked at it kind of mm -hmm. like, like it's a practice. And he also had, um, there was a man that was kind of like his manager. Yeah, yeah. But not business manager, not like contract manager, but a man who he would travel with. And they had this deal where Mr. Rogers wanted to spend time with every single person who wanted to spend time with him. So this man would kind of walk with him and they would do this thing called the hand handshake exchange where Mr. Rogers would spend time with like somebody. And then this, this man, his manager would walk over and kind of like then take the hand of the kid mm -hmm. and allow Mr. Rogers to go to the next person. It's like a handler, but without calling it a handler yeah. because to be present with every single person for an extended period of time is almost impossible if you're famous. Well, and just, I'm just thinking about our day-to-day -day interactions. Like you're the most important person in my life. Mm -hmm. And there's so many moments where I'm not even close to present. Whereas this guy, at least on the big screen, he was present with strangers mm -hmm. and people that didn't make any deposits into his emotional bank account right. personally. Right. Yet the most important people in our life, my, my life included, I, I'm so in the past or in the future. Well, and that's what I was going to say is I think that it's always about thinking there's something out there mm -hmm. when really, you know, we had this discussion before we keep going like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do this. And we're reaching out there to find a piece that we already have that we're not practicing. Mm -hmm. And what, what do I mean by that? That everything we need, we already have, but we keep saying, I need more. Can you think of anybody else in your life that, that, um, practices like this extreme mindfulness presence like well, I, i'm just talking about like conversationally like literally like when you're in a conversation with this person you know that they are all in most of the time because i know i am not good at this i'm not gonna shame myself but i have so much work in this department um no right no it's really and, tricky and i i mean there are moments and glimpses with people but probably uh, you know, I'm thinking about some of the people that, um, like, I always was envious. I'll bring up Oprah again, that she would always talk about Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. And she would say the same thing. You know, like, when I was there, she treated me like her daughter, yet she had her own, she had a son of her own, and she had lots of people that were like her daughters. And yeah. I'm saying that in quotes. But Oprah never felt smaller or that she needed to like vie for her attention because when she was with her, she had it. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, wow, that would be really amazing. And I think, so here's the thing. The switch we need to do though, is instead of saying, wow, I wish I had that, yeah. we need to be it. Right. Because we can walk around saying, darn, you know, kick the can and be like, oh, I didn't get what I needed. But if you can see what you needed, then you have the opportunity to be that for other people. And while you're being it for other people, you get to have that experience of being fully connected that you were looking for in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, and, and again, it, I it's a practice and I really do think that if you want to be present for people, you have to be able to wake up and have some kind of ritual experience or experiences. You can't wake up, look at your phone, listen to a podcast about government and politics, and then expect to go downstairs and be present for people. It's just, I mean, if you can do that, more power to you. You've got some really strong 
um, inner, you know, mind control. Right. Um, but there has to be a different way. And then if you're like, yeah, but that's hard. But what about the you know way you're living your day? Right. Your life that's now? what's hard. Yeah. Because when you're not present with the person who's in front of you, if it's a, somebody important in your life and you're not present, it's going to come back to bite you. Right. One way, shape, or form. It's going to be withdrawals in the emotional bank accounts or whatever. So that's what's hard. That's what's hard. And I think that the the bottom line is, is the way that in the movie last night that they talk about Mr. Rogers, you know, Lloyd being uncomfortable around him because he is so nice. That's how we feel in meditation. That's how we feel when we're praying. That's how we feel when we're writing gratitudes is it feels uncomfortable because we are feeling everything. Yeah. One of the things Mr. Rogers said, and I'm paraphrasing, this wasn't from the movie, it's just something I read, is, um, and, and it's interesting because he, this is a very Buddhist philosophy too, is he believed as humans, we're supposed to feel everything. Mm -hmm. And this is the Buddhist philosophy too, is that human, you know, a lot of times with Buddhism, we're like, oh, Buddhism's about peace. Buddhism is about the ability to feel everything that is of a human. Mm -hmm. And we think it's an avoidance yeah. and it's not. And, and same with Mr. Rogers or his take on, you know, his belief system was you don't pretend something's not happening. I mean, what he did on his show, on his television show, he talked about divorce. Mm -hmm. He talked about death. He talked about the war. Yeah. He talked about, uh, you know, anything painful. Heavy material. He did not, he told kids the truth and he did it with enough space and caring where they could have feelings about it. Mm -hmm. He brought on children who had special needs and disabilities, talked to them as if they had everything they needed, mm -hmm. meaning they were not broken. Yeah. He was present for them. There's a great scene. It's very quick, but in the movie where he, I guess, had a lot of um, Make-A-Wish kids who wanted to come see him. For those of you who don't know, Make-A-Wish is when you have been diagnosed with something pretty significant and you, you know, it's a charity that mm -hmm. gives you an opportunity. A lot of kids go to Disney World yeah. or whatever, but a lot of kids wanted to see him. And there's just a really quick scene where he's with a boy who's in a lot of pain. You can emotional pain, mm -hmm. and um, the boy is acting out, and Mister Rogers just gives him space mm. to do that, and then of course the boy literally yeah. puts down his sword. Yeah, right. Think about the metaphor. you know metaphor, and gives him a hug. That's all kids want. <clears throat> Give them space to feel all those things, and don't call it good or bad. Just honor it. So to give our kids space, you know, because one of our kids had a challenging morning this morning, we need to sit in the discomfort. It's uncomfortable when somebody you love is uncomfortable. So I think step one, the step before giving your kids space is you got to swim in that discomfort. Well, and it's interesting that you even say that because I know, I know what you're talking about, but there's also an acceptance of have you not recognized that morning, just by nature of being morning, is more challenging, mm -hmm. but the afternoon is fine, mm -hmm. the next day is fine. The so is like, even though I know exactly what you're talking about, you're saying when your kid is uncomfortable, be there for it. But can you take the bigger perspective and be like morning? Like, not only are you accepting that person in the moment, but what they're feeling is not wrong. No. 
But my thing is, it's got nothing to do with what they're feeling. It's what I'm feeling. Correct. But the, the I guess what I'm trying to say is expand it for you. Um, I, I don't know if my words can do it justice because it's kind of an internal thing that I do. But like, if you if your kid is stressed about a test or stressed about going to school or stressed about whatever or not making a team, instead of like, how do I make them feel better, talk them out of it, they shouldn't feel this way, do we say, of course they are. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this any, so that understanding of like, of course they'd be stressed decreases our stress. So I am trying to focus on, you know, like you said, you know, you got to sit in the discomfort, but if, is it, if we don't think about it as being something that is a problem. I think what you're trying to say is, is it uncomfortable? Correct. Is whatever it is that's stimulating their discomfort, is that. Is that really something. Is there something wrong with that? Yeah. And that I think that's the exercise. Like, no, this is, this is what, this is what's supposed to happen. The reason because this is what's happening. Exactly. And the space is, I'm not worried about this, mm-hmm. and not in a, hey kid, I'm not worried about you. you. Don't say these things out loud, but there is enough room for it. Like we can. There's not like a, uh, you know, like a, oh. But it yeah. all it all has to do with us. I know. I know. It's got nothing to do with them. C- correct. Other than the fact that they are giving you an opportunity. To practice something or to learn something right. about yourself. And to let go. And to let go. To let go of it needs to be a certain way. And I think what you'll find is very similar to Mr. Rogers is when you let go of needing to have things a certain way, people let go of needing you. <laughs> How do I say this? They they feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. They feel as if you accept them. Nobody was with Mr. Rogers and felt unaccepted. Right. But how many of our kids around us, their own parents, feel unaccepted? Right. And if you, you know, one of the quotes that he says in the movie is, you know, we're telling our kids, when you grow up, you're going to be great or do this. So when you grow up, you're great. And they're great right now. They're fine. Mm -hmm. Even if they're struggling with something or having a hard time. Okay. That's humanity. They're fine. And how do we show up for them with that kind of energy? Yeah. So. Um, quick Zen Parenting Conference sponsor I want to promote is Threads Worldwide. Kara, our friend who's been on yes. a podcast before, she has a company called uh, Threads Worldwide. They create life-changing work with women around the world through the fair trade of artesian jewelry. Is that how you pronounce that word? Artesian. artesian. Yep. So anyways, Kara's been sponsoring us, I think, for the last three or four years. So. Big thanks to Kara. And if you want to check out what she does and the products that she has. And become involved. Threads Worldwide is something you can actually join their team. And they do amazing work. Um, And they travel all over. um, The URL is Mm threadsworldwide.com. So thank you to Kara for uh, partnering with us. And I can't think of a better partner to you know, be in alignment with what we're, what we're all about. Not only their mission and how they do it and how they support women all over the world, but people leave the conference with really beautiful jewelry. So I'm always happy to have like, you know, uh, partners like that Mm -hmm. where people can like get something for themselves that can remind them of that weekend. Um, so we're really grateful to threads worldwide. Um, and planes, trains and automobiles came out on our podcast called pop culturing last week, uh, because it's a Thanksgiving movie. And if you're listening to this uh, around the time we record it, it's Thanksgiving is this Thursday. Yeah. Um, so subscribe to Pop Culturing, and we talk about a bunch of awesome movies and a few TV shows. And, you know, one more thing about, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers. Okay. And to me, he is the epitome of what emotional intelligence is. Yes. Like he is the 
you know, to me, he is what EQ means. So he's what I'm always looking to. And I just sometimes when I look at Twitter or look at what's going on in politics and I see all the snark, Mm -hmm. you know, just like snark. Negativity? Like, I was watching an interview the, the other day. It just came on really quick, and someone asked Pompeo, you know, well, what do you think about what happened in the impeachment hearings? And his first comment was, well, I had to work, and it looks like you don't have to work, but some people do have to work. Snark. Well, passive-aggressive. That's the thing is, it's like so much anger. The question is, what do you think of the impeachment hearings? The answer is, I hate myself, I hate you, I hate the world, I hate everything, snark. Mm. I am so tired of it, Mm. I could cry. Mm. I am so tired of everything we see is snark. And what a relief to be in the presence of a person who would never even think of being snarky. Sweetie, um, I just Googled snark. Uh huh. An imaginary animal used to refer to someone or something that is difficult to track down. That doesn't help us. But a snarky comment is someone who's cranky, snide, or sarcastic. Snark. Snark. You know what it reminds me of is in Up. When isn't he looking for a snipe? Here, snipe. I don't remember. Remember Kevin is a snipe. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's the guy. It's the old guy. And then what's the kid's name? Russell. Yeah. And then Kevin, remember, he's looking for the snipe. And that's why he gets caught on the, yes. the house. What about Doug the dog? Doug that, is very important to me. That should be a pop culture. We just watched I know. that. I love that movie. Um, All right. I got to go. Uh, go see this movie. Go yeah. see It's a, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood because I think you'll feel good about, I think you'll remember yourself a little bit. True that. Because if you are an adult, this is going to be shocking. You were once a kid. And is that so, how it works? Yep. And that means that all of those feelings of being a kid and growing up have not left you and you can continue to learn from the kid inside you um and i didn't say anything about our partner jeremy craft bald-headed beauty avid company painting and remodeling throughout chicago and area 630-956-1800 avidcode.net thank you jeremy craft thank you happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving we're grateful for you gobble gobble <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing Podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called 
Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.